Welcome to Coffee Break with the Dancing Housewife. I'm your host, Antoinette Daytop. Whether you're a competitive ballroom dancer, a social dancer, or someone simply wanting to learn more about the fascinating world of ballroom dance, this podcast is for you. So grab yourself a cup of joe and join me for episode 16, Infinite Flow with Marissa Hamamoto. Marissa Hamamoto is the founder of Infinite Flow Dance, the award-winning nonprofit dance company comprised of disabled and non-disabled dancers. She is a dancer and a motivational speaker who seeks to inspire inclusion, innovation, and transformation through movement, dance, and storytelling. Marissa completed her BA and master's from Keio University in Tokyo and is an honorary member of the International Association for Dance, Medicine, and Science. Among her many accolades, Marissa is the first dancer to be named a People magazine, Women Changing the World. She was named to the list of Women Reimagining Sport by Adidas and People Making a Difference by CBS. Marissa, thank you for joining me today. It really is an honor to have you. Thank you so much, Antoinette, for having me. I first learned about you and Infinite Flow a few weeks ago during a podcast I recorded with Yang Chen and Nancy Cleaver of Dancing Classrooms, and we were discussing their annual fundraising event. That's when they told me you were one of this year's honorees, so I, I want to congratulate you on yet another award. Anyway, this sparked my curiosity, so I started to do research about you and Infinite Flow Dance, and I have to tell you, your story and the work you are doing is really quite remarkable and inspiring. The first thing I want to talk to you about is your stroke. I, I understand you suffered a stroke at a very young age, which initially left you paralyzed from the neck down. So can you share with me a little bit about that experience and how it happened? Yeah, so I was a senior college student at Keio University in Tokyo. And I was quote unquote, secretly pursuing a dance career. You know, I grew up as an aspiring ballerina, but my body didn't quite fit the ballet mold. And definitely, you know, I, my joints are not that flexible. And I was, my body was definitely far from what the ballet ideal was, but I lived in this duality between knowing in my gut that dance is a universal language that belongs to everyone, yet it seemed like ballet was just only accessible to a few select people. And so I quit and I ended up at Keio University. And when I entered college, my plan was to eventually become a doctor for dancers. That was my plan, but I had a really hard time fitting in. And where I found belonging was in the dance community. So as I danced more and more, um, the dance bug hit me. And so by the time senior year had come around, I had made up my mind that after I graduate college, I would pursue, uh, pursue a contemporary dance career. I was starting to save up money to go to Europe and audition for dance companies in Europe. And, uh, you know, July 26, 2006, uh, I was, yes, a senior in college and taking a contemporary dance class. And it was just one of those days where like, you know, my body was just flying through space. It was just one of those great dance days and everything was just working well. And, and in the middle of that, I felt my elbows tingle and momentarily collapse to the ground. I couldn't move my arms, couldn't move my legs. And I found myself completely paralyzed from the neck down. Um, oh my gosh. 
Yeah, and it just suddenly, it was just the sudden, like we're talking like within a two minute time span, I went from standing, dancing to then just collapsing. And um, I don't remember so much, but I do remember starting to hyperventilate really strongly. And, and I remember two of the teaching assistants came over to me saying, hey, are you okay? And, um, and I, I was clearly not, I was able to use my voice. I was able to talk. So I said, hey, I don't know what's going on, but I, I can't move. And I remember one of the teaching assistants lifting my arm, you know, as I lay down and I couldn't hold my arm up in the air. I was carried to the hospital and uh, to, uh, you know, a, a couple days later, I was diagnosed with spinal cord infarction uh, and was told by the doctor that I may never be able to walk or dance again. Oh my gosh. So Marissa, let me ask you, what it, what is spinal cord infarction? So... Spinal cord infarction is a rare form of stroke. Usually okay. strokes happen in the brain. Right. Uh, but this happened in the spinal cord. Um, and um, left side of my torso, like right now I'm scratching my left side. And depending on the day, it's a little bit more numb than others. And today's kind of like an average day, you know. Yeah. So I have, you know, I still have like remnants of the stroke. But right. do I consider myself physically disabled today? No. I mean, I... I have seen you dance and I would hardly, hardly even notice that there was any residual, honestly. Um, you know, I was in the hospital for a, a little bit less than two months. And by the time I was um, out of the hospital, I was walking. I oh, was wow. Walking. In my case, um, more than the physical recovery, the mental, emotional, psychological. Right. I think recovery was a lot more. And I'll say that I'm still kind of in the process of healing and this, and I think healing is a journey that doesn't stop, you know? So, right. you know, I kind of did a deep dive on your life and I discovered that you subsequent to your stroke, you were also diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and autism. Is that right. correct? That's correct. And that's only in the last, last, you know, two years ago, I was diagnosed with PTSD. Uh, a year ago, I was diagnosed with autism. I would say that autism is something that you're born with. So I guess I was right. born with autism, but was not diagnosed till, you know, midlife. <laughs> right. um, I think with PTSD, I think I probably would have probably have had PTSD since I was probably in my teens, I would say. Um, you okay. know, also I think I think for me, the stroke had triggered a lot of trauma from the past, you know, right. and, um, and I think the biggest one was actually being raped by one of my ballet teachers uh, when I was in my late teens. And so, yeah, so that's a f fairly significant trauma, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's taking me some time, but it's I've become a lot more open about talking about um, my PTSD and more, you know, now that I'm starting to better understand my autism too, like I'm starting to become more open about talking about autism because the only way to destigmatize uh, disability is to talk about it. Correct. And what Correct. a lot of people don't know is that uh, number one, one in four Americans or 61 million Americans have a disability. 15% of the world's population, which is about 1 billion people, 
have a disability and amongst disabled people, 70 to 80% of disabled people have invisible or non-obvious disabilities. I think oftentimes when we think about disability representation, we think about the wheelchair user, you know, the blind blind person using a cane. Or, right. um, you know, we think about these, you know, the visible disabilities, but um, the reality is uh, 70 to 80% of disabled people have invisible and non-obvious disabilities. Right, right. Well, I want to pivot a little bit because you're a very inspiring person. And it seems that a lot of your life experiences are the driving force behind Infinite Flow. Oh, absolutely. Can you tell us about Infinite Flow? I'm just going to let you talk because I'm so fascinated by the company. It's it's really a remarkable company. I can talk about Infinite Flow for 10 hours. You know? so <laughs> I think it might actually be better if you ask some questions, but just to kind of get this conversation started. Uh, so Infinite Flow is a award-winning nonprofit and professional dance company that employs both disabled and non-disabled dancers. And our mission is to create a more inclusive world one, one dance at a time. And I would say that the media, you know, oftentimes tells only one part of, of my story leading into Infinite Flow, and that is that I am a stroke survivor. And right. I was once physically disabled and therefore physically disabled Marissa, you know, decided to create Infinite Flow. And if you look at Infinite Flow's videos, yes, you know, the, the wheelchair dancers tend to kind of stand out. However, 70 to 80% of disabled people have invisible disabilities. So whether it's my deaf dancer, Shaheem, who, again, you can't see his disability from the outside, but he is deaf. Um, my blind dancer, Natalie, who does not look like the stereotypical blind person that we oftentimes see. A lot of my dance dancers have are, are kind of breaking stigma and barriers in their own way. We are here to get people to think differently about disability. People will think about disability in what we call the medical model. And what that means is that disabled, disability is a medical condition. It's an impairment. It's bad. It's sad. But I like to think about disability, and, and so does much of the disability community, likes to think about disability in what we call the social model and the cultural model. And to just kind of give you a nutshell of what these things are, in the social model, um, in 2011, the WHO redefined disability as a mismatch between a person's body and the environment. I'm going to say that again. So disability is a mismatch between a person's body and the environment. So for example, if a wheel, a simple example, if a wheelchair user wants to get to the second floor of a building that doesn't have an elevator or ramp, it's not the wheelchair user that's disabled it's the building that's disabling the wheelchair user. From the social model of disability, it's like, how can we create an environment that is inclusive so that disabled right. people are included, you know? Right, um, right. And then uh, the, the cultural model of disability in a nutshell is that, you know, disability is an identity, just like race, gender, religion, it's dancer, you know, right, right. it is a, it is an identity. And there are many of us, including myself, who are disabled and proud. Um, so with with Infinite Flow, um, yes, we try to get people to 
kind of understand the social model of disability, the cultural model of disability, not necessarily always talking about, but showing it through dance. Um, right. Disabled or not, one commonality that we all have as humans is that we all have limitations and perceived limitations. And one thing that we are showing at Infinite Flow is that we can turn limitations into limitless possibilities. And my job is to kind of show <laughs> that through the art of dance. Uh, disability has been a source of creativity. You know, one of my favorite stories is that the typewriter was invented during the early 1800s as a result of a blind woman wanting to, uh, wanting to write a love letter in her privacy. Um, and at that time, for a blind person to write anything, they would voice it and someone else would transcribe it. But for a love letter, you wouldn't really want someone to open right. a love letter. So anyways, this woman by the name of Carolina was losing her vision and uh, voiced her concern to a friend who named Pellegrino Turi, who happens to be an inventor. And he was like, well, let me come up with a solution. And that eventually became the first iteration of the typewriter. That's very so, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. So I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to paraphrase this for a second, because the thing that popped into my head is that you are trying to dispel the notion that if you are a disabled person, you are a victim of your circumstance. In fact, you see it as disability is almost empowering and, in certain ways. Every disabled person's lived experience is a little bit different. And I won't discount the fact that there are disabled people out there who struggle with their disability, right. you know, right. with right. their disability. Uh, but there's a lot of disabled people who the biggest barrier that they face is not their, their mm -hmm. disability, but societal perceptions of right. what disability is. And we can't ignore the stigma behind disability is so big. Right. Like we got to dismantle that. But I think that's what you're doing with infinite flow. Infinite flow is not about putting disabled people on a pedestal. We're just here to say, hey, disabled people are just like any other human. <laughs> any other human, right. we can all dance together. And it's the togetherness. It's like, I like to think about infinite flow as showing the beauty of being together. Yeah. And we're focusing on disability inclusion because, you know, within the conversation of diversity, disability is either forgotten or considered last. And that's just, you know, continues, continues to be the case, even within diversity, equity, inclusion kind of spaces where, you know, but, you know, my, my goal with infinite flow is that we don't have to exist anymore because change has been made. Right. Right. All right. I'm going to pivot. One of the things that I did that... I would like to encourage listeners to do if they're intrigued by by the company is to subscribe to your YouTube channel because <laughs> the videos of your performances are really just stunning and amazing. Uh, what I will say is if you're interested in our work in any capacity, follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, you know, LinkedIn, I, I, you know, LinkedIn is actually one of my favorite platforms um, and uh, sign up for a newsletter. Well, well, thank you, Marissa. It's really, really uh, very nice to talk to you. And like I said earlier, I'm, I'm really honored that you took time um, to come on the podcast. 
Yeah, thank you, Antoinette. Thanks for tuning in today. If you're enjoying Coffee Break with the Dancing Housewife, click the share button, leave us a review, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And until next time, keep on dancing.